0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another video here on the Cycling Dane Extra channel. Today is one of our a team previews for the 2024 season. We are looking at EF Education Easy Post, and here to discuss all things colorful in terms of their kits is none other than Patrick Blake of Outdoor Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. I mean, Patrick, going into this season, the big hype was Richard Carapaz bringing a well a world beater, one of the most consistent riders. In terms of Grand Tour Racing for, for the last few years since, well, really breaking out, winning the Giro Italia, and yeah, I mean, EF Education Easy Post, does it
1: tickle your fancy? It re- it does. It does tickle my fancy in a lot of ways. I think they've made, arguably some of the more interesting transfers this year, and I'm really excited to dive into that. But yeah, in terms of 2023, Carapaz wasn't quite hitting the mark in a lot of occasions, of course. He did have an unfortunate crash on the first stage of the Tour de France, which was really quite sad to see. But even before then, he wasn't he, he just wasn't really being the Carapaz that we remember. His stage race performance in the first half of the year was really poor. He did have a decent campaign in the Italian classics towards the end. I don't think that that was enough to sort of resurrect his year. And I think that EF will be hoping for more... Return on investment in 2024. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, 26 victories, winning two stages of the Giro d'Italia, nothing really in the Tour de France, plenty of national championships, even winning the very, very late national championships of Switzerland with Stefan uh, Bissinger. And I mean, winning the Tour de N'Kawi, second in Amstel Gold, fourth in Tour of was Wang Xi with Hugh Carpin, uh, sixth with Rigoberto Aran at the Tour de Suisse, which he always seems to do pretty well. And I mean, Nielsen Paulus had a phenomenal start
1: to the year as well. Yeah, Nielsen Paulus was one of the biggest surprises for me this year in the Spring Classics. I think it was maybe hinted towards in his previous San Sebastian performances, but he is a very good one-day racer and certainly one to be looking out for in the future. Weird that he argu- he started doing better in the Cobble Classics as opposed to the Ardennes Classics. Paulus will be one of the integral pins in this team in 2024 and beyond. Well, we might as well dive into the transfers.
0: And I mean, Patrick, we might as well focus on because the, the signings in are quite exciting. So we'll start with out. And uh, yeah, who's leaving the squad?
1: So the biggest transfer going out is Magnus Carl Nielsen. He is a very prolific rider. He's pretty much won a Grand Hall stage for them every year since 2021. And he is just a fantastic rider. He won two stages of the Valter Algarve this year. He, you know, he was doing really good in the Giro as well. So that's a big loss. He's going to uno but then there's also Jens Kuklir. He's retiring. Mark Baudun is going to Coratech And Jonathan Clara and Diego Andreas Camargo are both going to Petrolike, Julius Vandenberg is going to DSM Femenik. And then we've got a series of riders who we don't know the fate of so far, which is Mahawi Kudus, Odd Christian Ikin, Lukas Viznielski, Tom Scully, and Sean Quinn. Who's coming in for the oh, team?
0: calling a coming more exciting one, and two of them, you were quite annoyed that Ineos Grenadiers didn't pick them up. Yeah,
1: coming in, I, I am... I think that, honestly, of all the teams that we have done, We've saved the best. We've saved the best till last year for the transfers because we've got coming in. Uri Kosh just coming in. Very good rider. Did really good this year. Baltic Community at Valenciana. Won a stage with Welter. You've also got uh, Michael Walgren coming in. Did I pronounce that right, Scott? Is that about right? Yeah, but it's not really a transfer this one because he was
0: with no. the team. He's had like a lot of injuries and he was kind of moved down. I don't really understand the kind of. The logistics, why are doing that. But yeah, Michael Belgrane,
1: if you want to say it in there. You've got Harry Sweeney coming in from Lotto Destiny after not really hitting the mark there. I think that he'll fit in a bit better in this squad, personally. Jadik Lissensen van der Lee, who is a a climber as far as I can remember. I remember looking at the EF website and they were... Uh, Jonathan Bogdell was very high on, on him as this Dutch climbing talent. Yuhi Todom is... Like the under 23 Japanese TT champ I believe and you know EF do have this kind of Japanese arm to to their squad you know they, they have an Asian presence so therefore I think it's good that they've signed one of the more promising prospects for them. Marco Beloki is this 18 year old all rounded Spanish rider it's very interesting that he's 18 and they put him on a two year contract that doesn't really seem sufficient enough you see these 18 year olds don't I don't know I, I don't think that's really enough time but that's the EF they tend to sign people on two year contracts
0: wait 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 Beloki wait. Beloki do you not does that name not ring a bell oh god yeah yes his father is the guy who crashed where Lance Armstrong went through the yeah the field. obviously you can't just remember him for that he also finished second in 2002 and things
1: like oh. that so Yosiba Beloki's kid is on the world tour now that's why I'm quite surprised he's only on a two-year contract. I would have tried to sign him up for a longer, like, four-year contract or whatever. But EF seems to just do two-year contracts, and that's something which is reflected in these following transfers as well. Archie Ryan joins from the Yumba Visma development team, I don't, although Archie Ryan was kind of dabbled in and out of the Yumba Visma pro team. Uh, as well he'd had some really good results he won a stage of the Tour del l'Avenir this year, he came second in the under 23 Il Lombardia he came sixth in the stage of the Tour of Luxembourg which was around this really difficult loop where he beat the likes of Valentin Madwas, Chicone, Van Vilder. he was in the same group as McNulty and others, like he's he, he is certainly the real deal and I think that of all these I'd be expecting him to maybe hit the hit out of the gates really quickly you've also got his irish counterparts darren rafferty he's an all-rounded kind of rider at only 20 years old coming from hargan's Berman action fifth in the under 23 world time trial championships won the irish under 23 championships second in the baby Zero. he is just the all-rounded package i reckon that he could be i don't know like a, a new dan martin dare i say and then you've got two British riders who, as Scott alluded to, I have no idea why Ineof's Grenadiers passed up these two. Well, I don't know if they passed them up, but Enioff should have tried harder to get them. Jack Rooking-Grey coming from St. Pirin. He's probably, in my opinion, one of the last to probably leave the British continental system because it is in an absolute shambles at the moment. He is super good. You'll remember him from finishing fourth in the under-23 World Champs Road Race where he was in the breakaway, he is a classic style rider forged in the fiery cold depths of the British continental scene, bashing it around the national circuit series, around Beaumont trophy and Lincoln and the Lancaster Grand Prix, for example. And similarly, you've got Lucas Naroka, who's coming from the Trinity. He, according to Jonathan Fogters in that kind of press release about these riders, he sees him as a climber with a strong sprint, so definitely a, a classic-style Ardennes rider in the future. For the, In the making, he's only 20 years old. He has been shredding the Leeds chain gang near me for a couple of years now, and he if he's anything like he has been on those chain gangs, he will be a force to be reckoned with in the next couple of years. I mean, my first question where The two Irish guys is are they real Irish
0: or is it Dan Martin, uh, Connor Don Irish, Ben Healy Irish? Yeah, exactly. I want the Sam Bennett. Okay, he's not born in Ireland, but like I want the thick, lovely Irish accent on these guys. I want the Sean Kelly, the the Stephen Roach. I mean, even Nico Roach, you
1: could say to some degree born in France. So, I think, yeah, I think they are actually like fully Irish. I I don't want to start a a storm in the uh, the comments section by being talking about Irish nationality and and all that, but I think they've got four really exciting young prospects there, five if you include Beloki as well, and I think that I'm looking forward to seeing what they get given in in 2024, although it must be worth noting that Ben Healy, he had a really good year in 2023. In his neo-pro year in 2022, he didn't really do much, so Maybe like hold your hold your horses a little bit on it. Moving on,
0: and someone in the comments on one of our previous episodes say we can't just call it monuments, we have to call it monuments and classics races. And yeah, Patrick, in terms when we're looking to the two thousand twenty four season, obviously their big result was Ben Healy being so prevalent in, in the Ardennes classic and really, like you said, a force to be reckoned with. What does it look like? Obviously we've got Milan Sanremo in there, Bianchi as well if you want to Throw the classics label in there. Uh, where are the big points coming in terms of our one-day dynamic for for this team?
1: I think it's largely coming from Healy and Paulus. Paulus finished 7th at Milana san Remo, 3rd at Duasdals-Vlandrin, and 5th at Rond van Vlandrin. And then Healy finishing 2nd at Propositell and Amstel Gold Race, plus a 4th place at Liège-Bastogne-Liege. He also won the GP Industria and Arti Giastino out eventually. So I feel like those two are the, are the main ones. They don't really have that presence in in like Roubaix anymore, um, which is a, a bit of a shame, but you do definitely get them kind of popping up in the, in the semi-classics. Honestly, if they can just try and repeat that for 2024, that'll be a really good success. Obviously, they're missing in like the Flesche alone and stuff, but I think they, maybe they were expecting Carapaz to be in there, in that sort of role, but obviously he wasn't firing on all cylinders at that point of the year, so maybe that's something which they'll improve upon in 2024.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Roubaix always seemed, or Roubaix or even uh, Tor Flanders, we all remember Bestial being a surprise winner in 2019,
1: not really hitting the same heights. Yeah, I think Roubaix, like you say, is kind of the one where we're, we're sort of lacking a bit, I think. I'd be looking towards like Jonas Rooch to really be their guy. I think he finished top 15 in that wet edition. And I think that's really what he was brought in to do, was to do a result in this race specifically. But yeah, Roubaix is really the one where they're lacking in my eyes. I think everything else is, is really good. You know, even in Il Lombardia, Carapaz was top 10 there as well. So that means to they top 10 every single monument apart from Roubaix. I was just thinking, Betio, Bay, but he's never actually
0: done Bay. not even when he won Tour of Flanders. You're so used to seeing mm. Anders winners trying to do the double, but no, he didn't even try it in 2019. Did you retire? Uh, they've had a lot of success, not just with their kit, but doing fairly well. And uh, yeah, I mean, Patrick, obviously, I think the highlight was Ben Healy taking away and almost taking the blue jersey as well in the process and yeah what do you what do you think the Giro d'Italia we know the route we talked about the route before who does it kind of fit are you sending a carapace here instead of to the tour we've also talked about that in previous um, team previews that we've already bulked up the top five if you say Tampagatia, Jonas Bingo, Roglic etc where where are you
1: throwing your carapace? I think that given we've talked about in the in previous episodes about how we think that teams should send their best GC rider to the Giro in order to try and get a podium there because that's more valuable to us than finishing somewhere between 5th and 10th of the Tour. But I think that Carapaz will go to the Tour. They in, This is a big investment by EF to bring in such a big high caliber rider who's finished on the podium of Grand Tours and won a Grand Tour as well. He, he really needs to go to the tour and almost like earn his his bacon in a way because he just he he didn't provide in 2023 and I don't think the team will be sort of hedging their bets thinking oh well we're going to kind of play it safe and go to the because the competition's not there I think that he's going to get sent to the tour again and just make it a hope that he doesn't crash on stage one realistically I think that he could be top five I mean, he'd in, in reality, if he's the Carapaz of the years gone by, he should be up there in that kind of position. So, but I do feel like other people have caught up, or maybe even surpassed Carapaz. So it's it's hard to say, but I don't see EF playing it safe and sending him to to the Giro. I, I just I don't think that's possible. I love time trialing as well.
0: At the tour, well, at the Giro, so it's not exactly favoring Richard Carapaz. We all remember him losing. Yeah, losing to Jade Hindley as well. We've spoken about this before. Is a top five more more valuable than potentially a podium or a or a win at the Giro? He, technically, he hasn't done a single stage yet
1: at a Grand Tour for EF. I think the exposure is going to be more important for EF. I think that the exposure of getting power powers in that front group and more eyes on EF is probably more important to them than by pure results getting or UCI points or whatever. I just don't think that on such a big investment, you can be like, oh, we're not gonna send him to the Tour this year.
0: Okay, how about send him to the Giro, he finishes third or second or whatever, and then you send him to the Tour to do kind of like he did at the Welt España, where you could p- pick up three stage wins and the polkadot jersey. Is that not more exposure than a fifth, sixth
1: place Well, yeah, when you put it like that, that, that's the ideal scenario. But alongside Carapaz to the Giro, I think that's an interesting one. I personally think Healy showed enough in 2023 to get a tall spot in 2024. So I don't think he goes to the Giro. Who fills out this team in a weird way? Well, actually, no, in a good way. This team doesn't really have sprinters. So they're just a very wildcard-esque team. I reckon you'll probably see Andrea Piccolo go to the go to the Giro d'Italia He went to the Vuelta this year and got the red jersey for like one day. Maybe Chavez goes here, Simon Carr. He won a stage of the Tour of the Alps this year and he didn't do a Grand Tour this year but I think that I can't remember the reason for that but I do think that Simon Carr could be a really good addition to a squad. Betiol, he'll go to the Tour of the Giro. I'm not sure about the youngsters that we are talking about earlier who have been brought in I see the only one getting a Grand Tour this year would be Archie Ryan but I don't know if that would be at the Giro it might be a Vuelta sort of thing instead especially if we're considering that Carapaz is going hypothetically to the Giro at a Tour it opens up that spot in the Vuelta do you think that's about right that Archie Ryan would get a Grand Tour this year or do you think that it's a neo-pro year so he's not going to get given that? i think you're right
0: i think you should go to the Jira. why not test your young guns you were saying teams have been doing this more and more we've seen with jumbo visma that that league um squad for the Giro that was predominantly young riders as well a couple of, of near pros in there so instead of waiting
1: all the way to the welter you throw them in the deep end already in the Jira. what are you going to do with around oh what what does he do? This is his final year. Isn't he retiring at the end of the Olympics? Was that... Yeah. Yeah. So does he go to the Giro as support for our hypothetical Carapaz plan?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah. He's got a good relationship with the
1: Giro as well, finishing second two years. Well, two years in a row, which is a bit cruel. In all reality, a team around Carapaz and those riders get freedom to go for their own results on a few stages is is a good way to be running this team but what do you think for the tour so we've got carapaz is it just pure hill stage hunting we're going with carapaz as main main man going to be trying to get a polka dot jersey he's going to be trying to get multiple stages but we're probably going to be sending powerless as well we're going to be sending ben healy who else rui Costa possibly as well could could slot into here you're going to see the ef jersey on every single
0: stage no matter if it's up down flat whatever we're going to be there and we're probably going to take one or two stages and then have Carapaz being a real contender in the Giro but you don't know how Carapaz is feeling as well because as you said he was absolutely woeful at the beginning of the year we don't really know what what that was all about and then the world Spaniard just throw
1: I don't know try and get one of your young guns to go for GC yeah Archie Ryan I want to see not, not like fully protected but just a little bit of protection in the in the Vuelta I guess Marlene Vandenberg goes here as their sprinter but that feels a bit like he's going here for a second year in a row if he's not successful that's not boding particularly well for, for him in the future yeah because we had the big superstar sprinters in last year's
0: Vuelta España with Filippo Gana finishing second a few times
1: yeah literally so ganas finishing second in sprints your designated sprinter in vandenberg he is more of a classic style sprinter and i think that the flat sprints just aren't for him so he's probably going to be more involved in a classics team i think he'd do better in a Gent-Wevelgem or a kern brussel kern or a bluge de paul that kind of thing as opposed to just pure flat sprints. Yeah, that, that's a tricky one. Maybe he could slot into the Giro squad just as a rogue rider, just flying his own flag in the sprints. There are a couple of tougher sprints where he could do better. So maybe Hugh where we haven't mentioned him yet. He usually goes to the Giro. He hasn't been to the Tour yet, so whether he might, after all these years, get drafted into the Tour squad if he has a good enough start to the 2024 season, he goes in as a stage hunter. It would feel a little bit... I know if I was in his shoes and you've been kind of flip-flapped between Vuelta and Giro, with Vuelta and Giro, you're probably thinking when am I going to get this Tour de France opportunity? This yeah, 8th at Torreno which isn't too bad
0: 2nd at the Tour of the Alps again, not too bad The Giro, yeah I think he had some problems but he was around the top 10 the Vuelta Spaniel wasn't great so fourth at the tour of Wangji, which was won by Milan Bada. So it's like, you should
1: be beating Milan Bada, to be honest, in a stage race. And that's why I sort of cast my doubt whether he'll get into the tour squad or not, but I think that after all these years, I'd like to see it happen. Anyway, we might as well come to our predictions. And I
0: mean, Patrick, first question is uh, where is Carapace finishing at? Uh, where is he going? <laughs> that's probably like a prediction in itself.
1: I whatever Grand Tour Carapaz goes to, and he's focusing on GC, he will finish top five is, is my belief. If he does our hypothetical plan of going to the Giro and the Tour, I would say he will finish on the podium of the Giro and he will win a stage at the Tour de France.
0: I would say Polka got jersey as well in the Tour and wins two stages.
1: So, I mean, pretty similar on that. Classics, what do you think is going to happen there? I don't know. I think it'll be very similar to this year. I think he, they're going to end up in the top 10 of it. They'll end up in the top 10 of every single monument again, barring Roubaix. To add a little bit of spice into it, I will say that Nielsen Paulus finishes on the podium of Flanders. Who
0: of the young guns that they've signed in, the neo pros do you think is going to be the best one?
1: I think it'll be Archie Ryan. Well, there we go. I think... At the World Tour, yes or no? No. I think that he will top 10 a World Tour stage race, though, which could be pretty easy considering that at the moment he's provisionally down for the tour down under. <laughs> so he could definitely top 10 that. Done. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 you know, play players say my more kind of spicy one. I think that Simon Carr will win a Grand Tour stage this year. Do you think we're going to see anything from Rigoberto Urán in his last year? i Fam- no. At the Tour de Suisse. I think he'll just be yeah. He he'll probably top ten the Tour de Suisse, and that's probably about about it. What do you think in terms of victories per Grand Tour? I'm going to go with two stages in the Giro, one stage in the Tour, and one stage in the Vuelta.
0: Uh, I'll say two, uh, three, two, and zero in the Vuelta. Oh really, zero in the Vuelta? Yeah, sorry guys. But anyways, that's it for our EF Education Easy Post episode here. Make sure to check out the podcast or all the other episodes we've done so far as well. Comment down below what you think EF Education Easy Post is going to do. Of course, check out Patrick's own channel, Ardu Cycling, and Le Green Hatter all in the description below. And until next time, thank you for watching. And we're up to our last one, Alper to Koenig, in the next one. So we'll see you there.